Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I am excited to be talking to you. I am recording this late on a Sunday night. It's like 2.30 in the morning. Oh, my son just yelled at me. (laughs) Okay, I just paused the recording so I could go check on what was going on. Uh, If you're listening to this, you probably have met my son Owen before. Or if you haven't, I have a uh, three and a half year old, almost three and a half years old, uh, son named Owen. And as I said, it's two 30 in the morning and he just screamed at the top of his lungs from his bedroom in the back of the house. And, uh, I, you could hear it, but just in case you didn't hear it, I isolated it for you. Cause the microphone did pick it up here. He is yelling daddy. Ah, the joys of parenting <laughs> anyway. So that threw me off my game. Uh, I guess I was going to tell you about how awesome today was. We had a really great service. As I say every week, the band was super awesome, and Hannah crushed it. Uh, Really cool crowd today. Uh, It was a great day. We just want to say thank you to everybody who makes different, you know, their home and considers us their community. It's been really challenging to build that community whenever we started three three weeks before the national lockdowns, (laughs) Uh, but it's happened and it's happened because you guys are putting yourselves out there. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, One cool thing that we announced this week is our reverse tithe. And I won't talk about it too much because Hannah does a little bit in the message, but um, basically the way the reverse tithe works is anytime any amount of money is donated to us, we immediately take 10% and put it right back out into the community. And we're only able to do that because people like you are amazing and generous in giving. So thank you because of you, we were able to put like $2,000 into the community and we're hoping to do another gift before the end of the year. So awesome. Uh, a couple announcements. Number one, December 6th, we'll have a guest speaker, Olivia. She has uh, been with us before on our mental health panel. Uh, she rules. Uh, she can talk about more than just mental health stuff. Although, who knows? Maybe she will talk about mental health around Christmas. Uh, we, don't, we don't really know what she's going to talk about exactly yet. Um, but we're really excited. We're going to be going through Honest Advent in the month of December, um, which is going to be really fun. And also, December 20th, that is going to be our big Christmas celebration. Uh, Heather is going to be leading the band and we're going to be singing Christmas songs, the whole service. So make sure and wear your ugly Christmas sweater and come on out and have a jolly good time. Okay. So let's jump into Hannah's message. So if you know her, you know that she has awesome taste in nerdy things. She loves star Wars and she's a quote machine. She's, she's quoted, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy from, you know, stage on Sunday. But she had a quote today that I'm just so proud of her. She quoted one of my favorite TV shows of all time. It's called The League. And the name of this podcast is Forever Unclean. And there was this much left. Like, 
like a quarter of a bowl. Probably actually like one portion size. If you read the box. But nobody reads the box. You gotta throw up the whole bowl, right? So we need a little help this morning. And um prayer request. This is what we've been praying for, right? We need this situation to stay in until December first. Okay? That's what we're praying for. No baby. Until after December first. Because we're not that about Olivia's gonna be here. She's gonna speak. It's gonna be delightful. And I'm very excited to wear an ugly Christmas sweater because I'll be actually thinking about the Christmas sweater. Just preemptively so you know. It's like a like a reindeer or something and a moose. Maybe the confusion is not working as well as I thought it was. Um, it's a reindeer and he has cool sunglasses and it says, cool guy. <laughs> so, does this thing skating weak? Does it feel like things skating around here? No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, my parents coming over and I was like, you can come over, but I'm not cooking anything. Which is actually not true, making mashed potatoes. I'm my part, okay? Um, but we are very thankful. One of the reasons we are thankful is because, in case you don't know, anything, any money that comes into us, we take the percent of that and put it in a separate account so we can put it back out into the community. And so, generally, we save it up until we have an amount that feels good to give back, and then we give it back. So, this past week, we were able to make some donations. So, we donated $1,000 to Reach Safety, which we have partnered with in, in the past. Um, they used, well, they still kind of do. They do a under the bridge homeless outreach where they feed quite a few people every single week. Um, they also have Thanksgiving plans. They buy diapers for single moms. They pay bills for people, especially who've been affected by the COVID situation in their work. So we're able to donate $1,000 to them. Also, $500 to the St. Pete Free Clinic, which is provides medical care as well as food bank. And they have had like I want to say 400% or something crazy like that increase in people needing food this year because of everything that is going on. So happy to do that. And then we sent also $500 to Metropolitan Ministries in Tampa. If you have heard of them, Tampa's local too. I know we normally donate in St. Pete. <laughs> Jared's from Tampa, so we thought we'd spread a little love in Tampa. Um, but they do quite a few holiday meals for people who cannot afford holiday meals or elderly people who can cook them and so that. So, we're very thrilled to do that, and I think by the end of the year, we're on top to possibly donate another thousand dollars. Um, we'll let you know what happens. So grateful, because we, as you guys be generous, we want to be generous as well. And on top of that, you may notice there's like a little new kind of setup. If you're watching online, you can see the new setup, but maybe you can experience the new setup. Because when we started, we weren't even going to live stream at all. And then um, three weeks later, <laughs> we were like, well, we're only streaming because we cannot meet in person. And so it, we have been live streaming on Jira's iPhone, which is great. We're blessed to have iPhones that exist in the world, but um, we were able to purchase a used camera, which hopefully will make the quality a little better, and we're going to be able to purchase a computer and we'll run it, so it's not just an iPhone. <laughs> so hopefully we have people who walk on, watch online every single week, Maybe that experience would be a little bit better for them, and that's because of you guys that we're able to do that. So, thank you very much. And I feel as though it's all the announcements. If it's not all the announcements, you just won't know what they are. I don't know what they are either. Let's talk about the Bible, shall we? 
the Bible two weeks in a row. Our passage this morning comes from everybody's favorite book of all time in the Bible, Leviticus. Leviticus gets a lot of crap and is mostly ignored. So it's either people are talking bad about it or ignoring it completely. Um, I will even tell people if you want to start reading the Bible, start keeping it. You it's even the lectionary, which is like three years long of passages set up for people to talk about on Sunday mornings. Very few passages on Leviticus, like maybe five or less. This is one of them. So we're very lucky the lectionary deemed us necessary to talk about one of everybody's favorite books in the Bible. And it's a very complex book and it's very difficult to get through unless you know something about ancient Judaism and the history and theology of all of that because it's simply a book of rules and it repeats itself a lot. Like you will go through it and you're like, didn't you just read this? Yes, yes you did. You just read it and it didn't make any sense the first time and it doesn't make any sense the second time even though they repeated it. But it's, so it's a difficult book for us but it was not a difficult book for the Israelites. It's very important to them. It's the center of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, the Scriptures, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Normally, if you're reading, you're going to read Genesis, Exodus, which cool stories, skip Leviticus, skip Numbers. That's also all. How many of you have read any part of Numbers? Don't you love the list? It's like, and then so-and-so begat so-and-so, and there was 144,000 of these people, and then there was 27,000 of these people, and if you add them all up, so boring. So you skip a little bit of numbers, and you go straight to Deuteronomy, because Deuteronomy, again, has some good stories, and it's generally easy to understand. But the entire point of the Vegas is God inviting the Israelites, both the priests who ran the religious stuff, and all the regular people, be holy. That's the whole point of Leviticus. Be holy and die in holy. It's repeated a million times. And it's surrounded by instruction and law, and it's written into these white repeats of priestly code. So if you're a religious leader, here's all the stuff for you. And then a holiness code for the regular people. If you're a regular person, here's all the stuff that's good for you. It's mostly the same. Priests have a few extra requirements. It's interesting that it's not just for the priests. Like, I don't know, if you're an ancient Israelite, do you really care about how the sacrifices are supposed to go? Do you really care if the lamb that you're supposed to be bringing to the temple to sacrifice it has a spot on it? Like, is that really a big deal? Of course, well, then it is. It is. And God speaks to the entire community of Israel. Nobody gets left behind. Nobody gets forgotten. Nobody gets attacked. I'm trying to emulate God. So let's read our passage, and then we'll talk about it. This is Leviticus chapter 19. It will be on the screen to follow along. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is how most of the Bible says, the Lord said, so and so, and now we're getting a second name, give the following instruction to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy, as I have made your body holy. Do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or by being special to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Do not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is threatened. I am the Lord. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront people directly. 
to not be held guilty for their sin. Do not seek revenge, or bear a grudge, and seek all Israelites, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now we can figure out why this passage is in the lectionary. <laughs> because how many of you have heard, love your neighbor as yourself? It's a pretty common theme in the Bible, right? Yes. Jesus actually quotes it in the New Testament, and so he didn't just make it up. It comes directly out of the Hebrew Scriptures. So when I say that this is an important book, it's a very important book, we need to think through the requirements in more detail. So in Leviticus, we find two paths toward holiness. The whole point of the book is be holy, but not be holy. So how do you get there? And we find these two paths in Judaism, but also in Christianity, and I'm sure we've experienced them. So according to the first perspective, being holy means you must maintain purity. Keep yourself separate from anything that might threaten you or pollute you or blur the boundaries of what's right and wrong. Like if we can't do this one thing over here, then we're not going to do all of these hundred things leading up to it because it's slippery slope and we know you might go straight pollen. There's a lot, you can be careful. If you, I don't want to give an example, we'll get to that later. So you can't let even a tiny little wrong thing in. And spoil everyone. Everyone will be bad, terrible, the whole thing will fall apart. We struggle with this model. Twofold. One being, we've heard about this before, it creates this us versus them mentality that just harms everybody. It harms the people who are stuck outside, and it harms the people who are on the inside because all the people on the inside are like, look how wonderful we are. We don't do these few token sins that we've picked out to yell about, but on the inside, we still struggle with all the other stuff, like rage and respect to future people and violence and the whole long list of things. But it's not those things. So we are very pure and holy. This is what Jesus yells at the Pharisees about multiple times in the New Testament. Keeping people out of the community to make the community holy does not make the community holy. It just creates a holier than battle attitude. Which harms the people outside for sure, but actually harms us as well. Now, the second perspective is that we are all supposed to be engaged in this really messy ethical work. We're supposed to knock down any boundaries like that, designed to create this illusion that there's good people and bad people. And instead, we're supposed to think critically with some power dynamics. We're supposed to set boundaries. That's right. Move towards the right relationship with each other in the sky. And this is the perspective we find in Leviticus 19. Which might surprise you if you've read Leviticus because it's just a bunch of rules. Clean, unclean. Allowed, not allowed. Good, bad. Those people are in, those people are out. Just so you know. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, but you know we all bring our own like stuff to the Bible whenever we read it. Leviticus has the words clean and unclean so many times, and every time I read it, there's a sitcom called The League. And every time I'm like, unclean, I'm like, forever unclean. Like, if you haven't watched The League, it'll make no sense to you. But it makes me laugh. And I feel like Leviticus is a book you need to laugh a little bit. So, the ancient Jews struggled with how to apply this. We actually see both perspectives in the same book. But we think it's 19 where we are at the core. It's the heart. It's the most important. It even gets quoted and reinterpreted by Jesus in the New Testament. The problem is, we like this second method, but it's hard. It's messy, 
We don't know what to do. We're going to disagree about the best way to do it. Just like we talked about last week. This is messy. Doesn't mean it's not like being or participating in. So what is the call to holiness? Like, how do we participate? We have to consider the two things. Don't rig the legal system to favor anyone. A legal system, and I'm pretty grateful to be in a country that has a legal system where we hope you know you're innocent until proven guilty, but it doesn't always work out that way. And it's certainly like we have whole TV shows about how the rich and powerful are impossible to fight in the legal system because they have so much money. So don't rig the legal system. Don't be partial to anyone with more resources, even if it costs you something to value everyone equally. No gossip. Don't let other people's lives be put in danger. This one's hard. Don't hold a grudge. Instead, this gets even harder. Not just don't hold a grudge with people. Instead, communicate openly and honestly with them. Gross. That is really hard. And I am only just now. I'm like, getting to that point in my life where I can actually say what I need or tell someone when they've harmed me or accept it when someone tells me, hey, you did something that I don't like. Don't seek revenge for anything. Instead, love your neighbor as yourself. And this is not in our passage for today, but it comes like later in chapter 19, I think it's verse 33 or 34. God specifically says, treat resident aliens, like what we would consider undocumented immigrants, as equal to yourself and grant them equal status. This is what God says. You will love the alien as yourself for you were aliens and were in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. In other words, just because you currently have rights and you were born into some kind of rights does not mean you deserve them any more than anybody else by virtue of your birth. We're all aliens here. And Israelites actually get in trouble for this multiple times in the Old Testament. They get punished because they are not treating strangers and foreigners as equal to them. They're looking down on them, they're treating them as lesser, they're making their lives much more difficult. It's hammered over and over and over again in the Old Testament. And it's even expanded in the New Testament because Jesus comes and we're all granted citizenship in the Christian kingdom. It's wonderful. We didn't deserve that. When you're born again, you're born into a new kingdom, you're born into a new way of life. None of us were there before. We were all aliens, we were all strangers. And this is God's point over and over again to the Israelites. Why are you doing this? Why are you trying to be holy? Because God was gracious to you. How dare you? How dare you be mean to other people? How dare you rid the legal system? How dare you hold a grudge? When I have been so gracious and merciful to you, and I have welcomed you and made this community for you. And you're not going to share that with other people? One of the most amazing things about Leviticus to me is that our requirements, if you read, our requirements to God and our requirements to other people are placed on equal levels. It's not like you can do all these things for God and you get an A plus. And then this is not. They're equal. We get this backwards a lot. Like we often start with all the things we should be doing for God and then we try to extrapolate this out on rules that we put on other people. For example, this is like the word purity code is coming. Purity culture. You grew up 
huge community culture of the 90s, and early 2000s like I did, the evangelical church, you know what I mean. Like, we had sermons and songs and books. We had conferences. Um, most of you have some kind of evangelical background. How many of you have heard of, like, the True Love Waits Conference? How about the book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye? Oh, yes. What a delight. <laughs> Side note, the author of that book actually came out and, like, apologized pretty recently. Like, oh, I should not have written that. That actually caused harm and trauma and damage to so many people. I hate period. Not just because it's almost always focused on women being heavy lifting, um, which is what women do. But because it almost always only focuses on sex. Like, first of all, these will be boys. Boys will be held accountable for their actions, okay, and taught to respect women and all people as human beings created in the image of God. Women will not be held accountable for the abuse inflicted on them and the subsequent lack of punishment of their abusers, especially in the church. Purity culture taught so many evangelical communities that they were damaged goods. And this is what happens when you fall victim to the first way of trying to be holy. We're like this, if you don't do these things, you're not good enough. Or, if you do the things that we tell you you're not supposed to do, you're definitely not good enough. But one of the examples of this, it takes many forms, but this is the form I heard in my YouTube. Well, you don't want to do anything with another person sexually because then, like, you take an Oreo and you lick it and you give it to someone else, you think they want that Oreo? What a horrible thing to tell teenagers! But it's true, like, it's funny now. Like, I can laugh about it, I'm 31. I'm clearly not an Oreo, right? But this is such a damaging thing to say that this is the way that you must live your life. Obviously, it doesn't work that way because you met humans. Um, but if you don't, there's something fundamentally wrong with you. So purity culture taught so many women there's something wrong with them. Not to trust any thoughts or desires that they had. Purity culture taught a lot of evangelical boys that what they needed in life was a pure woman, a Proverbs 31 woman. In fact, to put their, to put their partner on a pedestal that they could never possibly live up to. Purity culture taught so many LGBT plus teens that there was something fundamentally wrong with them and that they could never share who they truly were because they wouldn't be accepted. They'd never be embraced. It makes me so mad. And it, it makes me mad not just because of the damage done, although that is part of it. It makes me mad because this is always the first response I get when I talk about purity culture. Oh, so you don't care about holiness. You just think people should be able to do whatever you want all the time with no consequences. If we don't have rules, it's just going to be a free-for-all out there. Okay. I'm having a message. It's not one. I certainly wasn't listening when I was a teenager. But that's not the point. That's not what I'm saying at all. God is very clear here. God says, be holy because I am holy. It's the why that we're missing. It's not be holy because if you mess up, 
you're going to be ruined for the rest of your life, and God will forgive you, but you know there's consequences. No! Be holy, because I am holy. And just as I said before, Jesus takes this and puts it into the New Testament, and he says, all the law, all the prophets, all first five books of the Bible, and every prophet, so all the major prophets, plus all the 12 minor prophets, which most of the Old Testament, thousands of pages can be boiled down into this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love God fully, entirely, desperately, and then take that love and share it with other people. The why is so much more important than the rule. It doesn't matter what we do. There are consequences to our actions, right? But, like, why do we not run around just having indiscriminate sex with people? Well, because you are human made in the image of God. You are so valuable. And so are they. And it's really, really difficult to use someone for your own pleasure without objectifying them. It's really, really difficult to have that kind of relationship with someone with no love and no commitment without objectifying them. And should we objectify precious, valuable people who are created in the image of God? No. It's not because there's something wrong or you'll be fundamentally broken for the rest of your life. It's because you are so precious. God wants us to think about what we do. And as a side note, this applies to us too. <laughs> like we always put it externally on other people, like I don't want to treat you like an object. Really, right? But also we shouldn't treat ourselves that way either. If God says love your neighbor as yourself, well how does that work if you don't really love yourself? If you're not allowed to treat other people like garbage, neither are you allowed to treat yourself like garbage. Because you are just as valuable. And I think purity culture has done this to us as well. It says, you're more valuable. Something wrong with you. You don't deserve. You don't deserve to be happy. You don't deserve to have open, honest communication with someone. You don't deserve to have a partner who supports you. You don't deserve be in a relationship with another person, it might be messy and it might be hard and you might have to step up to work through, but it's so beautiful because it mirrors the image of the relationship that God has with us, which is sometimes messy and hard, but still worth it and beautiful. And it doesn't just revolve around our physical bodies, right? Why do we not favor religion powerful people in legal matters? Why should we not gossip about other people? Why should we be open and honest in our communications? Why should we not be passive aggressive and hold grudges? Because people are so valuable. Because people are really, really much at home. That's how we are. To me, that feels much better. It's not do something, break a rule. You will be forever unclean. It's participate in the beautiful life that God has allowed us to experience. And we get to do it with each other. And Leviticus has some pretty harsh laws. Like, it's hard to go through some of Leviticus. 
And as a whole, it makes the argument to us that our worship of God cannot be holy if our interactions with other people are not If we treat people as disposable, our interactions with God are not holy. If we treat people like commodities, only using them for what we can get out of them, our interactions with God are not holy. If we're only ever thinking about ourselves and not the well-being of other people, our interactions with God are not holy. A proverb from Turkey says this, one hour of justice is worth 70 hours of prayer. And I like that. I'm Like, I grew up all night prayer meetings. I would sleep on the pews and my parents would still be like, seeking the face of God on their knees in the corner, like speaking in tongues, and I would just be like, oh, just go home. They'd be like, no. Staying all night until we hear from God. Prayer is very valuable. But if I pray constantly, without ceasing, pray all the time, and I'm a nasty person, I'm not. My interactions with God are not holy. Our relationships with God and our relationships with people around us, they may be sequential, but they're never separate. I cannot love God and disregard the neighbor. It's impossible. Just like I cannot love my neighbor without God being involved. There's only one love that we participate in. So, like, how do we do it? Well, you know, favor people with resources. Don't pass up. Communicate open and honestly. Don't try to get revenge. Welcome people, treat people as you would like to be treated. Give other people the benefit of their doubt. That's hard. We give ourselves the benefit of the doubt all the time. Even if we have a hard time loving ourselves, mm-hmm. and there's some things in our lives we wish we like, weren't there, we still give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Especially with me food. This is, the most, this is the most common example because there's like a thousand memes created about it. Oh, I did one workout. I do deserve I feel like you. I mean, I worked really hard. I've done, you know, it's a really sweet. It's been a hard year. It's Thanksgiving. It's good holidays. I'm giving myself a little bit of fun. We do this in every area of our life. Let's try and do that for other people. Wow. This is hard. <laughs> it's not like we had a handle on it. Levit- the people who were listening to Leviticus, not reading it, most of them couldn't read. They were just hearing it. They were like, that sounds hard, but let's do the show. Didn't work out so well. <laughs> There's all kinds of stories in the Bible about, oh, no, we failed at the rules. And then God's like, okay, I understand this is hard. I'm going to give you Jesus because I know it's hard. And I want you to have an example of someone who can actually do it. We just came as a human to show us how it's done. Show us what it means to love other people and not try to fit them into pretty boxes. We can really appreciate them for who they are and really celebrate people for who they are. Not just allow people. Like, that's another thing that bothers me. You may have to tell us things that bother me about the church. <laughs> not, not this church. Everything is perfectly fine. Like, purity culture, never mind. We're in the whole list. The things that bother me are. When we are like, 
But just don't tell me who you really are. Just pretend. Just slap a fake Jesus face on it. Just be like, everything's fine, blessed and highly favored, nothing's a problem, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. No. No, like, we need to be completely open with each other. We need to have a space for that to happen. Whether that means because trauma has happened to you in church and you don't like your that's fine. You can do that. You can say that here. We're not even mad at you. Whether that's because of your identity or your sexuality has not been accepted or celebrated, fine. You can do that. Right? Whether it's because, you know, you actually really love church. I did have someone tell me, this is not in my notes, but I had someone tell me a couple of weeks ago, they were like, so, I didn't really have any bad experiences in church. I really just enjoyed it my whole life. Most people think that doesn't seem to be the case. Can I still come? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wish there were more people. Like, I wish I was one of those people who was like, you know, this has been such a wonderful experience in my whole life. So positive, so uplifting. We get to create that experience for other people. We get to talk about Jesus. That's our focus. Love God, love people. Get it. We learn from each other. We discuss together. We contemplate together. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, rise, fall, make mistakes, try again. It's a nice phrase. It says, autocorrect, put rickroll, fall, <laughs> make mistakes. I don't even know why Google that. I'm like, what did I type to make it say rickroll? <laughs> That's probably a good question. <laughs> It's a privilege that you are here. It's a privilege that you are here. It's a privilege that you get to be in the community that we have. And like, how do we celebrate who we are? Not the, not the fools. We do the messy work of being friends. And growing together and learning together. And reflecting on things together. Because we participate in that when it's so difficult and when it's so joyful. And even when it's difficult, it's a source of joy. That's all. Eternal God, in the middle of all of life's noise, we are desperate to recognize your voice. Where we've been led astray by the loudest and most visible, power-hungry, the greedy, judgmental, the angry, you call us back. Your way of openness and peace and justice. Today and always, may we be open to your spirit and the truth that leads us home. And may God's blessing be on us as we strive to live faithfully in the days that we have today.